You're listening to the Apocrypha Chronicles, Season 2, Episode 3, The Explorer's Tale. The value of them was in what they could produce. Great expansion. We listen. There is a threat. I'm calling it the Great Expansion. Please plug in your local coordinates. I'm Zana Isfahani. Welcome to Images. Miigwech for joining me today. The Pacific Ocean, a continent away, and since the Great Rifts, inaccessible to all but the most intrepid adventurer. I'm standing by the shores of the Salish Sea on a pier at the edge of many waterways. Across the sea, I can see the Gulf Islands dotting the horizon. To my left, the mountain they call Kwalshan looms large, that great white crown of snow sparkling against the blue sky. To Karunto anthropologist and ethnobotanist Eli Wong traveled west last year. Her hope? To document and better understand the multi-layered society that has emerged in the vast region we know as Cascadia. From the garden spheres that line the seashore, to the lifestyle of wandering artists known as nomads. Yeah, so uh, we've been moving up and down and around the coast forever. It's what we do. It's what my folks did before me and their folks before them. It's not just a way of life. It's not a choice. It's who we are. Cascadian society may be vastly different from ours, but Dr. Wong believes it's a society that holds teachings for us. As the Great Lake Confederacies grapple anew with some of the same burdens that faced our ancestors last century, overcrowding, food security, and water shortages. Here's Dr. Eli Wong with her documentary, The Messengers. It's a long way from Toronto to Huayhui. You pass through landscapes so vast they remind you how small we all are. Dr. Eli Wong, personal travel log, April 23rd, 2187. Do these prairies ever end? Feels like I've been walking for days. Oh, wait, I have been walking for days. <laughs> but I've been comforted by the presence of the bison that have returned to the land as the prophecy said they would. It is something to see it with my own eyes. And I can't get over this. On my way across Turtle Island, I made a lot of recordings. Dr. Eli Wong, personal travel log, April they say the Rocky Mountains will take your breath away. They weren't lying. It's one thing to look at them in books and archives. It's quite another thing <laughs> to feel yourself the smallest part at the base of the mountain. I didn't realize just how cut off Cascadia is from the rest of the continent. We joke about the West Coast being like a whole other world. But it's true. I'm transfixed by them. 
but I can't linger here if I'm to make it to the shores of the Salish Sea in time for the summer solstice. In my work for the University of Tukoronto, I make recordings all the time, but these are different. As I got further and further from home, these logs became my most treasured possessions and a way of marking time, because little did I know, I was about to plunge into an adventure the likes of which I never imagined. Eli Wong, log entry, May 28th. I'm sitting in a clearing close to the river. I'm covered in mud. I tripped and twisted my ankle. Not sure if I'm gonna be able to move much for the next few days. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Huai Hui in time. Huai Hui. My ultimate destination. But when I twisted my ankle, I got stuck outside in that vast Cascadian wilderness. Today, I'll introduce you to the nomads who took me in when I was stuck. They are people of contradiction, fiercely independent, but living in tightly knit communities each one a talented artist or craftsperson, but also a builder or hunter or healer, fulfilling a critical role in the survival of their nomad cities. They live by one credo. Life is art. Art is life. Yeah, that's it. Alaska is in her early 30s. She's a skilled iron worker, glass blower, acrobat, and a perennial champion of parkour, a sport avidly practiced by her people. I remember when I was little, I always used to love bonfire nights, you know, like uh, seeing all the faces all lit up around the big roaring fire. For sure, that was part of it. And the, and the songs and the dances. But most of all, I, I just remember this sense of anticipation. It meant that a journey was coming. That, that the next day, uh, our city would come down and get all packed away, and then we'd be off to the next stop, and that, oh, that always filled me with a sense of excitement. Alaska helped me brush up on how Cascadian society is pretty different from ours. They used to call Huarque uh, Vancouver. Uh, it was the very first Garden Sphere. People from all over talk about the archive and garden there. I've never been. Of course, you can't go in without doing quarantine, and I'd rather be out here, free to move around. <laughs> Look at us. Look at our city. You ever seen anything so beautiful? It's pretty stunning, I have to admit. And yet, it'll be gone when we leave, without a trace. The land, her, her heart untouched, her skin. And us, we'll be flying somewhere else. New vistas, new city, new story. While you may not have heard of the nomads, you've probably heard of Huai Hui and the other garden spheres. They're not literal spheres, but conglomerations of communal villages that safeguard traditional and scientific knowledge. You've probably also heard how the spheres abide by a strict set of rules around quarantine and isolation, a holdover from the pandemic age. They only allow outsiders to enter four times a year, called openings, at the equinoxes and the solstices. In addition to the nomads and sphere folk, there's also a third group, the outposters. 
Somehow these three distinct groups coexist up and down the Pacific coast. Three groups who, though seemingly at odds, all value art, independence, and harmony in their day-to-day -day living. I made the trek across Turtle Island to gather as much information as I could about these different lifestyles. In my work, I've seen the ways in which the concrete of the past has crept back into the everyday fabric of our lives. The unrest and inequality. In hoping to avoid repeating history, I decided to travel to where the break from the past is the most obvious. Dr. Eli Wong, Travel Log, June 21st, 2187. The solstice. I should have been entering Huaihui today. I'm still not really able to get around very easily. Luckily, I've found an abandoned house that passes for comfortable. Loads of fungal growth are encrusted along the walls, including an amazing slime mold growing on a joist that protrudes from the back of the house. The house looks safe enough. Most importantly, I feel safe inside it at night. These forests are beautiful, but you easily forget that when you hear packs of wolves and coyotes yapping and yowling in the dead of night. The house is an old abandoned riverside city by the Stalo River. It's boggy and brackish around here. That's how I got myself into trouble. Just wasn't really paying enough attention to where I was stepping. I've got enough in my pack to be here for a few more days. I'm gonna probably have to try and find someone soon. A nomad? An outposter? I know there's an outposter in not far from here. I'll plan to make my way When I listen back to these recordings now, it's hard not to feel a little emotional, even though I'm supposed to be a dispassionate scientist. On my trip to the West, I encountered sphere folk, outposters and nomads, and I made friendships that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. The concrete of the past has developed back. Exterminating species at Civilizations rise and civilizations fall. In hoping to avoid repeating history. Repeating history. Changing climate. Chaos. Commodities. Logging. There is a threat development. Encroachments. Expansion. If they're good or not. Repeating history. Dr. Eli Wong. I'm Zana Swahani, and on Images, you're listening to Dr. Wong's documentary, The Messengers. After I twisted my ankle, I joined up with Alaska and her group. They're called the Fireweed Nomads. It's not hard to find nomads. They usually move three or four times a year. Word gets around at the various outposter inns and way stations that dot Western Turtle Island, and if you've got something to trade, you can get a little information about nomad whereabouts in return. When I found them, Fireweed City was nestled in the shadow of the coast mountains, along the shore of a vast, shallow lake called Sumas, on the lands of the Stalo people. 
New people show up all the time at Nomad Cities. Takes all types. As long as you can show you have a purpose, you can stay. I stayed for a couple of months. I helped gather plants and forage for berries. I helped tend fires. And I got to know Alaska and another nomad named Daga. Daga is a special kind of nomad called a messenger. I call this one Uhuru. <laughs> Always gets me where I need to go. Daga is tuning up one of her bikes. Messengers use bikes to courier goods and messages between garden spheres, in between the four seasonal openings. I remember this one time I was coming up over this hill, the old back road up to the Yarrow Sphere, not far from here, and my tire hit some debris, instant flat. I went flying, <laughs> but he's solid. I had him fixed up in no time, back on the road. I mean, I've... Um... I've seen the roads around here. They don't seem like they're generally in a good condition for biking. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. But you tell me a better way to get around. Sure, yeah, the outposters love their old combustion engines and their biofuels. But, you know, nine times out of ten, something goes on you, or the road's impassable, and you're stranded somewhere, and, you know, it's just not worth the trouble. Plus, I'm not no dirty fuel user. That stuff just wrecks the air. If I need to... It's easy for me to go off-road on these puppies. When she's not out on a messaging run or tuning up her bikes, Degai is a talented carpenter and woodworker who helps build and design a lot of the quirky, beautiful structures that make up a nomad city. While I was living at Fireweed, she agreed to give me some woodworking lessons. See, what I like to do is really get a sense of the shape of what the piece of wood wants to do. See what I mean? We're sitting by a fire. It's July. The air smells like dried pine needles. Sometimes I leave a carving as an offering to the various spheres I go to. I mean, I don't need to. They're the ones paying me with food, supplies, stuff our nomad city needs, but I like to. So you talk to them when you're there? Yeah. There's always someone who'll talk to me through one of their micronet ports. Wait works is, I show up at the way station, let them know I'm there, sort of check in. Someone will eventually answer. I make myself at home, usually spend the night, and it, uh, now, look, see, this here, not in the wood? That's a tricky one. But, if we just work around it, yeah, like that. So I usually spend the night, and by morning, they've left goods and messages behind a partition, along with payment. Sometimes, if you know we need something specific, I'll, I'll ask the night before. Hey, you got extra chicory? How are the tomato crops this year? It's amazing what they're able to grow in their gardens. Makes you realize why they're so protective. Why are they so protective? I mean, I understand the desire to safeguard their way of life, but why all these rules around who can enter their communities, and why only at equinoxes and solstices? Hmm. I guess it's the way they managed to do so well during the pandemic age, and yeah, it's just their way. I guess you could think of that as weird, but you could also think it's weird to build an entire city, stay for a few weeks, and totally dismantle it. <laughs> Anything seems strange when you think of yourself as outside of it. Might be more helpful to think of yourself as sitting beside it instead. Nomads call their settlements cities. But they're not like any city I've ever seen. For one thing, they're small. 
The biggest ones probably number a few hundred people. And for another, they don't look like cities. They look like artistic installations, sculptures. Buildings that entwine with others to make graceful shapes that twist and reach into the sky. Banners and great swaths of colorful fabrics that are stretched taut between buildings like giant sails. They say that no nomad city looks the same twice. Each city is carefully dismantled and rebuilt as they move around Cascadia, but each iteration of the city is slightly different from the previous one. Degas and Alaska might not think the garden spheres are strange, but when it comes to the outposters that are scattered around the region, well, they, and most nomads, definitely have an opinion. The outposters, ugh, they don't got no relationship with the past. They have a, a relationship with their own freedom. You've probably heard about the outposters, individualists who initially rejected decolonization and wanted to live by their own rules. Cascadia is a land of nooks and crannies in mountain valleys, so it's full of outposters, from lone wolves to small, scattered settlements of a few dozen souls. The thing about outposters is they want to be left alone. You know, the spheres, they only let folks in four times a year, right? And it, uh, it might seem to someone like you that they're unfriendly, yeah? But go and try and visit an outposter, and you'll see unfriendly. <laughs> Some of the more hardcore ones used to threaten raids on the spheres. But after one actually happened, they came to a kind of um, understanding of peace. So now they just do their own thing outside the spheres. I remember reading once about how atoms work how things exist in the same place without actually ever touching each other. It's kind of like that here in Cascadia. It seems as though society has separated itself out according to choice, like oil and water settling into different strata. Those who seek a certain kind of life gravitate towards it, like planets orbiting different suns. Sometimes when we're stopped down here around the Stalo Valleys, I have to go to one of the outpost inns or trading camps. Falls to us, the messengers. Uh, here, hold this. Uh, okay. Thanks. Um, I'm trying to carefully work around this edge here. Gonna use a smaller blade instead. Uh, now, where was I? Yeah, the trading camps are the inns, you know. I'll walk in there and whoever's there will kind of turn around and stare at me and... I know they're thinking, ooh, nomad, or whatever. And don't bug me. You can just see they're... They don't really trust anyone. I'll just get what I came for, you know, information, supplies, whatever. <laughs> I'll go. Live and let live. <laughs> know what I mean? They want to keep to themselves. I like to live in a city full of amazing artists. I like to play my role. It's just different ways. Do you ever think about going into one of the spheres for a season? Nah. I know nomads who've done it, and some of them end up staying. But I like it out here. I like to keep moving. What is it about keeping moving that you like so much? Hmm, I don't know. I guess it's what I'm used to. Some people, they're born nomads, and they're born to be nomads. Know what I mean? Others... 
they're born nomads, but they're not born to be nomads. So they leave. Same thing with sphere folk. Same thing with outposters. Lots of ways to be in the world, no? It's like what you said earlier. Live and let live. <laughs> yeah, live and let live. Uh, hold this again. I got it. What about you? Why are you all the way out here, so far from home? I mean, I get you've got that digital tech you're using to capture our conversations for some archive or something, obviously. <laughs> but what made you do it? Hey, I'm the one who's supposed to be asking the questions. <laughs> oh, um, I've been working all my life at the university we have in my hometown. You're right, it's kind of like uh, an archive, a place of study. And I've been uh, pretty lucky to do a lot of studying in and around the Great Lakes, the area where I come from far to the east of here. That where you studied a lot of plants, like you were saying? Yeah, plants and uh, how people use them, how and why they're important to us, the stories they tell. Hmm, well, then I know why you want to get into a garden sphere, I mean. Especially that garden sphere. Huai Hui? Yeah. Whenever we're in these parts, we always trade there. Their gardens are amazing. Not that I've ever seen them. Just eaten what's grown in them. <laughs> but also that mushroom god or whatever, the, the FI they call it. We've seen how it's changed things. So you're here for that? Well... Yes, that's a big part of it. But it's not the only reason. I guess my kids are all grown up and they're off living their lives, plus their other parents are there if they need them. And I've always wanted to come out here. And for my work, it's not just the garden spheres that I wanted to get to know, but also your folk, you nomads. And uh, the outposters, too. The chance came up to come out here, and I, you know, I had to take it. Hmm. That's a lot to carry. Now, I've shown you how to do this. Here, take the knife and hold it this way. And remember, always carve away from yourself, all right? Now, let's see what you can make. I learned so much from the fireweed nomads in my time with them. For one thing, I did a lot of wood carving. Degas shared some techniques that even helped me cope with my injury. I learned about their fascinating way of life. But I also learned what to expect when I arrived at Huaihui. How sphere quarantine rules worked. How I'd need to enter the quarantine way station, then remain there for at least a fortnight, along with any other travelers before the equinox opening. And how I'd need to bring an offering with me. I had prepared for that, bringing gifts with me from our part of Turtle Island. I wasn't aware that the offering had to be an artwork of some kind, something to be unveiled or performed at the show, an important ritual practiced by the sphere folk. Before I left, Degas in Alaska gave me a great gift. A song I could bring with me as my offering at the Equinox opening. The Sphere Folk don't accept recordings at Equinox, so I had to perform this myself. But <laughs> trust me, you don't want to hear me sing. 
I asked the nomads if I could make a recording and bring it back east with me. They said yes. Here's their song. ourselves in what we consider to be the natural world. We are connected. Interconnected together. Shared life connection. I'm related to everything. We are connected. 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 Connect. land and water to protect our responsibility to it to make sure I give back to it which has given so much to me. just heard The Messengers, a documentary from anthropologist and ethnobotanist Dr. Eli Wong. The Messengers is the first installment in a series of documentaries by Dr. Wong relating her experiences in Cascadia. Here is an excerpt from the next episode called Quarantine. Dr. Eli Wong, Personal Travelogue, September 9th, 2187. I'm inside the Huawei way station, one day into quarantine, and already tensions are high. One of the travelers here is an outposter. His name is Coyote, and he's here to receive medical attention for what seems like a serious illness. Coyote is unlike anyone I've met so far on my journey. I understand it's rare for outposters to spend time with sphere folk. Is it because you fear the FI? Fear it? have to believe it exists first. Nah, we got more sense than that. The truth is, we keep away from the spheres because we like our freedom. We take care of our own, don't owe anyone anything. No one tells me and mine how to live our lives. Protocols? <laughs> if I didn't have to be here for treatment, I'll tell you what, Doc. The second I get enough of that medicine they keep here, I'm out. You know we're all required to stay for the full quarantine period, right? We'll see about that. That's ethnobotanist and anthropologist Dr. Eli Wong. Hear all about her experiences in quarantine at Huai Hui next time here on Images. I'm Zana Isfahani. Miigwech for listening to Images. Good night. We're moving with the rhythm. It's the rhythm that we've known. If you start to listen then you'll know which way to go right here right now if you listen you will find that home's calling you showing you calling you
so many stories told and the rhythm is the rhythm that we're born with how we grow Listening to the Apocrypha Chronicles, Season 2, Episode 3, The Explorer's Tale. You heard Yoshie Bancroft as Dr. Eli Wong, Aryo Kakpur as Zana Esfahani, Raven John as Dega, and Diana Bang as Alaska. Other voices by Stephanie Wong. Original music by Benton Roark and Jessica McMahon. Actors directed by Stephanie Wong. Written by Jessica Schacht and Paolo Pietro Paolo. Dramaturgy and casting direction by Melanie Yates. Sound design by Rebecca Nolan. Audio producers Rebecca Nolan and Olivia Kwan. Creative producer Stephanie Wong. Executive producer Debbie Wong. Original concept by Debbie Wong and Benton Roark. Artistic directors Debbie Wong and Benton Roark. Core Creative Team, Debbie Wong, Benton Roark, Stephanie Wong, Melanie Yates, Paolo Pietro Paolo, Jessica Schacht, Jessica McMahon, Rebecca Nolan, and Olivia Kwan. This project was produced by Renaissance Opera. Music from the Apocrypha Chronicles was performed and recorded by Jessica McMahon and Benton Roark. Additional performances by Jaywan Bang on violin, Daniel Morphy on percussion, Ellen Marple on trombone, Carol Bestwater on violin, Kate Reed on viola, Vernon Regeer on cello, and Bill Brennan on percussion and piano. Additional recording engineering by Michelle LaCour. 
You also heard an original work by Desiree Dawson, commissioned by Renaissance Opera. Very special thanks to Victor Guerin of the Musqueam Nation for sharing his knowledge of the Hunkaminam language, and to Cassandra Blondenbert for sharing their imagination. This podcast was produced on the stolen lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. The Apocrypha Chronicles was made possible through generous support from the Canada Council for the Arts and the Province of British Columbia. This season is dedicated to the memory of Olivia Kwan, 